Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No public health intervention, no medical intervention should cause more harm than good. So it's unclear at all that children, by closing schools, are going to make any difference whatsoever to community transmission. And these kids aren't disappearing. They're going to go home. They're going to be with their families. They're going to be with each other. All the places that we know they're more likely to get COVID, quite frankly. That is Dr. Martha Fulford out of McMaster McMaster in uh, Hamilton uh, Hospital. She is uh, one of hundreds of doctors pushing a you know, against these school closures because of the long-term damage it's doing to our kids. Because despite these medical officers of health and the premier and Dr. Williams all saying schools are safe, here we are in the two biggest boards in this country, shut down despite any data showing that the schools are actually dangerous. I'm just curious, like, why does no one in public health care about the long-term collateral damage to children? Julia Hanexberg is president and CEO of Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital, also a member of the Children's Health Coalition. Good to have you, Julia. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Your reaction to the sudden closing of uh, Toronto's schools today? You know, honestly, I'm heartbroken. Uh, I can't believe that kids once again and families once again are being asked to sacrifice schools when mall parking lots are full. I think we really have to consider what our priorities are and who we're placing first. And and from my perspective and the perspective of the Children's Health Coalition, we should be putting children first. We should be putting families first. And it just doesn't look like that's what we're doing. And yet I'll get emails all night long with people saying, why would you put your children in harm's way? And look, if my school was riddled with cases, I'd be the first person to take my child out. But I mean, we have had no cases. The teachers and the principal have done a terrific job. And what I've noticed in my own household is the anxiety that it's created in a child who used to be very happy and now cries every night thinking that he's going to die or because he's going to be alone. And, you know, when we've got the reports out of sick kids of things like eating disorders, depression, suicides going up in kids of all ages. Ages. Why doesn't anyone in, in public health seem to care about that? Well, I think we know that there are serious uh, harms that are going to come to kids from long-term school closures. You mentioned the mental health impacts, learning impacts, developmental impacts. Uh, we know those are all out there. And as you said, many schools are doing a great job. Now, we know there are cases uh, in schools and so, so those schools are reacting. At the same time, there's a broader picture here, and that broader picture is how do we make the choices that are going to put children first and put their development first, put their mental health first, put their physical wellness first. Uh, I uh, run a children's hospital that cares for children with disabilities and medical complexity, and I cannot tell you how many families Uh, have told me about the grave impact on their children of the lack of structure uh, when they were out of school, the lack of the in-school therapy services they receive. That's where children with disabilities receive their therapy, in school. So kids need to be in school. There's a reason they go to school. And uh, we are really calling on the government to take all other measures to 
reduce community transmission. And what we know is that if we can reduce community transmission, we're going to make schools safer. And that's where we have to put our efforts. And yet time and time and time again, we keep repeating, uh, you know, bad policy out of the same playbook and hoping that at some point it will work and it is not working. Therefore, it's doing more damage, um, I think, to everybody in society, especially the kids. And, and, and to your point about those with uh, disabilities or those with uh, on the spectrum, I can't even imagine what those parents are going through right now with this lack of structure and kind of being isolated and left to fend for themselves. Those parents need those teachers, those um, educational assistants, all the support workers and staff in school. Those are our essential workers, too. Uh, we need to take care of that entire ecosystem that protects our children. And uh, so that means that we, we need to look at our policies around vaccination, put those mm-hmm. measures in place to safeguard the people that we need to have with our kids, again, so we can get kids back to school and keep kids in schools where school is safe. Well, you know, you'd think that conversation would have been had a month ago, and yet we're learning today that it probably won't be until May when teachers start getting vaccinated, which is just, it just confounding to me that, uh, you know, uh, everything's kind of a wait and see and getting and getting caught flat-footed. The other conversation that's not being, being had, Julia, is getting these kids caught up and when we will be going back to school, because I think we both know they're not going back April 19th. Well, the educational impact is something uh, we're, of course, very worried about, and we won't know the full impact of that this year. We're going to see, you know, how kids do when they come back in September, and we are worried about that. We're also worried about the milestones kids will miss. Mm -hmm. You know, kids with learning disabilities, where are those disabilities spotted first? It's often by that classroom teacher. So we are going to see a long tail of impact on kids by the fact that we're keeping them out of school. And the other thing is the kids who will be at greatest potential risk of harm from the loss of in-person learning are also often those the most at risk, children from racialized communities, low-income families, again, children with disabilities, children who already have pre-existing mental illness, children with learning difficulties, and those children of essential workers who don't have the paid sick time, can't take the time off when they're ill, can't take the time off to care for their children when they're not in school. It's a really, it's a vicious circle, and it's not one that's going to end well. No, it is not, and it will be a a long-felt one and a generational tragedy. Julia, we'll continue talking about it. I appreciate your time on this. Thank you very much for having me, Alex. That is uh, Julia Hanegsberg, president and CEO of Holland uh, Blurview's Kids Rehabilitation Hospital and a a member of the Children's Health Coalition. And again, these long-term implications cannot be measured, but boy, oh boy, there will come a day of reckoning.